Where's Ralph? He's over there, hogging the hell of a good dip for his big game ritual. Oh, boy. Hey, Ralph, can we get some of that, too? Yeah, yeah, soon. Almost done. First the carrot, two taps and dip. Then the celery. Ah, yes, now the chips. All dipped in creamy, hell of a good dip. Mmm, delicious. Yes, it worked! Get the dip made with real milk and cream that wins every time. Not just good, hell of a good. Podescue Podcast is a founding member of the Odd Pods Media Network. Hi, I'm Shannon. I'm Jamie. We're Married with Television, marriedwithtv.com. We are a couple of Hollywood normies on the outskirts of the film and TV industry, and we talk about our favorite TV shows, music, and movies, and sometimes they talk back to us. Sometimes they do. Our podcast is Married with Television, one word, on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Possibly Amazon soon. And we are a proud member of the Odd Pods Media Network. Married with TV! MarriedwithTV.com! To a retro Potaskew podcast. I am CJ, and with me, as always, is my hetero life mate Rico. What's up, man? Goddamn lazy, goddamn barbarians. And that's the retro we're talking about. No, we we did a recording a while back now um, with what I thought. It's so funny because last week we put out an episode what I thought was the white whale in Michael, and then like two weeks later, nope, <laughs> we got the bigger one. No, fuck that. We got this. This was Ahab. If 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 Michael is the is the Moby Dick, then my dad is the Ahab. Yeah, we got we got Ron. We got Ron to come on and sit down and give us an hour. Which, listen, I surprised we got that long. So, uh, in, in all seriousness, it's true because my dad doesn't. My dad's got you know hip pain and back pain, and and so like him sitting. He has to sit, and he has to get up and move, and kind of, you know, circulate. Um, yeah, we got we got my dad. I've been talking about my dad for two fucking years on on this show, uh, and all my impressions of him. Here's the proof. Yeah, like yeah, my impressions not that different. It's, it's I, actually pretty spot on. I'm not going to get into the details because I want people to listen to the episode. But it's so funny because you told a story from your dad's childhood, and then I got him to tell the same story, and it was different. And you were like, "What the fuck." <laughs> Yeah, I was. Yeah, I said, "What the fuck?" And I was like, "Dad, that's not right." He's like, "Fuck you!" I was there. It's <laughs> kind of what he said. Yeah, it was really. But funny. I was like, "You, I only have told the story the way you've told it." So, yeah. Yeah, but it, um, in, in all seriousness, we were going to release this as a uh, the launch of a thing that we're doing called Point Askew, the more serious was, side of Pot Askew. Yeah, if we're gonna like, if we were gonna talk about the Trump impeachment process or or sexual harassment and we we have done serious subjects in episodes and we were you know first and foremost we want to entertain everybody um i like us i like us to be a a respite to people from times of dealing with stuff like that that's what i really consider potaskew to be you know 
Especially so. now. Yeah. So uh, this this episode is not going to be the launching point of skew, but it is it is a little bit more serious. We we do have a good time, and it's not all over uh, religion, but we do talk about religion uh, more detailed than we have in the past. And and what was interesting about it, the reason why we did it, is we were able to get an inside look to a a religion that's not real big on opening itself up. So that was that was why we took the opportunity. And also it was it was dad's like that's that was his uh terms. Like he's like, Oh come on. Well what do you want to talk about? I want to talk about the Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay. Like that's not what we do here, but sure. But, all right. <laughs> you know and I mean I'm eventually gonna have to play this for my dad. So hi dad. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy you're now immortalized on the internet forever. All right, so we have. Is it is it the white whale of Gastrico? Is that do we are we are we there? The Moby Dick that we've been trying to to get on here for a long time. Yeah, I mean, we, I we fought. I always thought that was Michael until now. <laughs> you know, like. Well, and then this guy was unattainable until we finally uh, hornswoggled him into coming on. So why don't you tell him who we have? Too, well, without further ado, here's my father. We've been talking about him for two years, and now we finally got him on. So, hi, Dad. Hey. What would you like me to say? Well, <laughs> I, I, I do ask, ask me some questions. What do you want to hear? Well, uh, I mean, I know all the answers. So, CJ, you... you oh, uh, no, you're going to put me on the spot like this shit? All right, fine. Um, great. Fantastic. Rob, what what's it like having Rico as a son? That's where I'm starting. You want me to ask questions, so. Go ahead. What's it like? Challenging. Yeah, well, I could yeah. see that. I know I'm going to say this a lot, but you don't have to. Get he's he's a great kid, but stubborn as they come. <laughs> I know this. Yeah, I I deal with that pretty regularly. All right. Well. That that was a great intro. Um, Dad, let's start. Let, let's start uh, from the beginning. From, from the beginning. From the beginning. Um, Genesis. The, the Genesis of Ronnie Georgia. When were you born? Nineteen thirty-eight, just before the war, or while the war was about to start. Did the war start because you were born? I think I contributed <laughs> to the belligerency. Uh, where were you born? Massachusetts, Newton Upper Falls. Tell me about Newton. What was Newton like when you were a kid? Suburb of Boston, maybe seven or eight miles. Um, immigrant community made up of Irish, Italians, um, Polish, Lithuanians, Armenians. A nice melting pot, so to speak. And, uh, and, the, first, and the first generation, the immigrant generation, were suspicious of each other, kept to their own spaces. The Irish didn't like the Italians or the Poles, and the Poles didn't like the Lithuanians. And But the next generation, when all the kids went to the same school, and the Irish girls saw how cute the Italian boys <laughs> were, they started mixing. So, Well, us Italians, we are, we are attractive. I mean... The Italians and the Irish were... Both Catholic, so that meant it easier for the boys and girls to get together since they could go to the same church. 
so they mixed. Yeah, so the kids integrated. They didn't. They had some of the biases of their families and the prejudices, but, but you know you, they you, were just kids playing ball together, or kickball, or baseball, whatever. Well, you bring up an interesting point about the Catholic upbringing, but you weren't raised Catholic, and and that's at least going to be a little bit about today's topic. Yeah, but the Irish girls still liked me. Okay, <laughs> well, you were a bit of a. You know, I always likened you to a Dennis the Menace of of your time. You were well, you weren't yeah. exactly in trouble. And and before before we get into where I know you're going, Rico, I got to ask just because we heard the story from you, Rico, and I don't doubt that you you told us the truth. But I got to hear about this peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like that's I got to hear it from the the man himself. <laughs> okay, sure. I was about. Nine or ten years old. Um, we lived on Mechanic Street, and about two houses down from half a block was a family, actually called the Williams, and the father was actually Ted Williams, but not the Ted Williams, who incidentally also lived in Newton, who at yeah. that time did live in Newton Upper Falls, yeah. But it has nothing to do with Ted Williams, the ball player. It had to do with this guy who was sort of an ogre, young guy, but still didn't like kids. And he had two pretty daughters, and we used to always hang out in front of his house. And uh, he's always giving us hell. And I was trying to get one of the other kids to kick his screen door in, and they wouldn't do it. And I says, look, it's easy. You just take your foot back and kick and they wouldn't do it so i did i went right through the screen hit the door and we all took off so he comes out looks at the screen door calls the cops and we all split in different directions but four or five of us just went down the canyon and up the other slope and hid in the grass and sure enough after within a few minutes here comes this prowler with its high beams on and everybody was sort of right on the edge of the slope but i made a running dive and went way down and so they flushed all the other kids out including my brother and put them in a squad car and drove them around the corner over to mechanic street so i waited till they were gone and then raced home to the bus stop and I knew my mother was coming home pretty quick and she did. She got off the bus and I said, Hey ma, the cops got Eddie. Why would he do nothing? It was me. So she goes storming down to the cop car in front <laughs> of our house, pulls open the door and says, Eddie, get out of that car. <laughs> so Eddie just bounces right out. And, uh, one of the cops, his name was McKenna, this Irishman, who had the hots from my mother. So he's trying to tell her what bad what bad kids she has. And I go upstairs in third story and can look down on top of them. And this cop is berating my mother, pointing his finger at her. And uh, I had enough time to make myself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And so I'm sort of nibbling on it while I'm watching this guy 
harass my mother. <laughs> and so I just dropped the <laughs> peanut butter sandwich. And it lands right on top of the cop's head. <laughs> and he says, there, you see what I mean? And so my mother yells up at me and says, Ronnie, did you throw that peanut butter sandwich down here? I said, no, my it slipped. <laughs> so that was the end. But the punchline was that she turns and looks at him and says, there, you see, it slipped. Yeah. You see, Rico, you like you that. told that story wrong then, because I think the version you shared with this the sandwich landed next to him, not on his head. No, no, I said it was slapped on his Did head. Did you? Okay, then, it's yeah, been a yeah. while, so the, yeah. There, there was a couple differences. Look, I told that how he told me for years, and he he amended a couple things just now. So if it's, overall, the outcome is the same. That he yes. at eight years old mildly assaulted a cop. <laughs> <laughs> I've been uh, waiting to do it ever since. Uh, well, uh, next time you make a baguette or something, you can chuck it at a cop, I guess. Uh, yeah. Um, Pontescue does not condone. Uh, yeah, the no. next time a cop stops me, I'll give him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. There you go. <laughs> Just have one go ready in the car at all times. So. Now, obviously, I've, I've grown up with these stories, and I have shared a couple of your stories on here, but uh, one of the interesting things about our our, our show, Pontescue, is that we all have been raised in a weird way of different religions. Mm-hmm. CJ was raised Catholic and I was raised atheist, ironically enough. And, and dad here was raised Jehovah's witness. So him going back and, and, uh, <laughs> dad, I don't know if you could sit, hold it up again. He's holding up a, uh, a Jesus going like that. Yeah, um, that's Catholic. No, that's actually from the movie Dogma. It's called the Buddy Christ. It's just a joke Ringo um, sent for my for Christmas this past year. So, well, because you you said the Italian and the Irish were raised Catholic, but you weren't. So I want to talk a little bit. I mean, Dad, you can you can let you can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Um, just try not to be too offensive. You could be offensive, but not too <laughs> offensive. Let's put that way. So I hate limitations. I understand, but we have a we have a we have an audience. We can't. We have you know, a brand. Piss off too much. Yeah, we have a brand. Yeah, we we, we, we you know. Well, I could start pretty much from the beginning. The Genesis. My, my father, although born in Italy, was not Catholic. He was Waldensian, Valdese in Italian. And the Waldensians go down in history as one of the heretics that the Catholic Church was trying to annihilate, genocidally try to eliminate all heresies. And Waldensians and Albigenses and Cathars and Huguenots, anything that was not Catholic and Orthodox, they systematically try to annihilate him with the sword. It was a long history of that. Major, major battles. <laughs> Christians killing Christians, which is pretty interesting because really there were no no religious wars, to my knowledge, prior to Christianity. Christianity started all the religious wars, first among themselves, and then they took it to the Muslims you know, or medieval time around a thousand AD, they start the Crusades. Yeah. But meanwhile, they had spent five or six hundred years annihilating each other in some really bad 
terrible uh, massacres. And the Jeho- and the, the Waldensians were in Italy, northern part of Italy, and they had connections with the French uh, Protestants or heretics. And so there was somewhat of an alignment and somewhat of a support. And the Waldensians, which in Italian is Valdese, means people of the valleys. So they retreated up the Apennines and took the high position. And the church would send in mercenary armies to try to kill them, which they fought back and managed to survive through the centuries. So my father came through that lineage and he told me these stories. So I was never very favorable towards the Catholic Church. I saw them as an enemy, and I do to this day. Their religion is a nemesis of civilization. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired their personal trainer as a caterer. All right, folks, let's keep this line moving. You there with the tongs. Picking up one Dutch's potato at a time will not cut it at my catering table. Drop and give me 50. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Okay, this is what we call the wild mushroom and asparagus dip, dip, and press. Come on, let's get those plates above your heads. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Who am I? Naomi is the new hit series that's got all the buzz. You have power I have never felt before. Critics are calling it unbelievably charming. Captivating. A delight to watch. Casey Walpole couldn't be more perfect as Naomi. You ready? The question is, are you ready? Get ready to see why. I don't know what is happening to me. Are you a superhero? Superheroes aren't real. What if they are? Naomi, all new tonight on The CW. Tonight at 9, only on DCW 50, Washington CW. But well, there's the offensive part you were worried about, Rico. <laughs> oh, that's nothing. No, I know. I was just being sad. Go ahead. Sorry. Anyway. So, my father is in this Italian immigrant, 99% Catholic, and he's the only Italian Protestant. And he sent me to Protestant Sunday school, not Catholic um, catechism, because what they call it. So you didn't meet a whole lot of Irish Catholic girls, is what you're saying. So, no, that wasn't my source for the <laughs> Irish girls. <laughs> so the Jehovah's Witnesses are a cult. They hated the Catholic Church. Um, so when these two Italian Jehovah Witness knock on my father's door in Massachusetts, they came from Lawrence, Mass., drove all the way to Newton to knock on doors. And Lawrence was the town that a lot of Italian anarchists and rebels gathered. In fact, that's where Sacco and Vanzetti came from and were later hung, hung as early as 1920 or as late as 1922 or so or executed. I can't remember which, but they were convicted of treason and they killed him. 
So that was Lawrence Mass. So when these witnesses knock on my father's door, giving my father's experience with the church, he was very receptive. And he he was a believer. He was, you know, the Presbyterians had, had strong influence in the Waldenches, so they were sort of sort of a uptight Orthodox people and had very strict rules for their own morality. But anyway, it clicked a clicked something in my father and he started having regular visits by these two Jehovah's Witnesses and he became a Jehovah's Witness. And me being eight years old, my father was God, so whatever he believed I figured was the truth. So I became inculcated at a very early age as a Jehovah's Witness. A decade later, when we're living in California, and I am a Jehovah's Witness pioneer at 18 years old, which qualified me for a 4D draft deferment, so I was able to skip the draft for a few years, and I was out going house to house. Now, this area of California is about 30 or 40 miles north of Santa Cruz and about 60 miles south of San Francisco. Beautiful country, now known as San Jose, Las Gatas, Montecito, Saratoga, Cupertino, that territory. Beautiful country, hundreds of thousands of fruit trees, when I first moved there, now it's all blacktop and subdivided. They tore out all the gardens and orchards. So I'm up in the hills above Las Gatas, and I come to an estate. There were sparsely located estates up there, but I come to a gated facility and go up to the gate, and there are four German shepherds on the other side. They're barking at me. I spend a minute talking to them, unhook the gate, and walk in. And they sort of come around me and smell me, and I'm petting them. I had no fear of German shepherds since we had a pretty good one in, of our own named Kurt, which is other stories. But I walk up to the door, big mansion door, big, heavy, sort of an arch over it, sort of a neoclassic-looking building, and knock on the door, and knock again. And finally, this little woman opens up the door, surprised, and says, how did you get past the dogs? And I said, oh, they're fine. And I reach down, and they're all, I'm, all, I'm petting them all, and they're all wagging their tail, some watchdogs. And she says, what do you want? And I said, I went into my Jehovah's Witness spiel and brought out the watchtower. And she says, how much? And I said, a dollar. So she reaches out and hands me a dollar. That's a year's subscription to the watchtower. So we had these little forms. And I said, would you spell your name, please? So she does. M-E-N-H-U-I-N. And I said, Menuhin? 
She says, yeah. I said, do you know Yehudi? And if you don't know who Yehudi Menuhin is, I'll pause here to say that he was one of the great prodigies, violinist. He brought down Carnegie Hall when he was 14 by playing the Beethoven Violin Concerto. So I knew who he was. And she says, this little five foot two Jewish woman suddenly grows about up to six foot and looks down on me and says, I am his mother. <laughs> so I take my leave. I got the subscription to Yehudi Menuhin's mother <laughs> for the watchtower. And then I drove out and paused on the top of the hill and just started to reflect. I was 18 years old. My rebellion against the Jehovah's Witness and the realization that I was in a cult was beginning to dawn on me. And I thought for a minute, I pulled the car over and thought, what the hell am I doing? Going to other people's houses, telling them that their religion is wrong and they should believe my religion. I thought I began to realize how preposterous and intrusive and arrogant it was, but I sort of pushed it to the back of my mind and let it start to fester. I wasn't ready for my major break, which would take another two years and make things very complicated in my life. But it was the beginning of the end of me being a Jehovah's Witness. Basta. Enough. Well, and then, I mean, you, you can't just basta right there. You got to, you got to, Give us the ending. I mean, you, you're the, the ending. The ending. Of, the ending is still in process. Well, you're not a Jehovah's Witness anymore. So no, I, I still hate him. Well, okay, <laughs> but you, you still left. I don't hate him. I mean, it's just you. But look, let's, we can, I resent them because I was trapped in something I didn't choose. My mind was formed by stupidity and mythology, which I believed was true. Because the witnesses always refer to themselves as having the truth in capital letters. So it took a while to break free of it. When I systematically did, I was an independent thinker. I didn't read just the Watchtower. I would actually look up references and go to the encyclopedia and realize how much out of context they would take things. And so my skepticism gradually grew. But it was very suppressed. You couldn't really ask questions that were embarrassing or no answer. What would they do if you asked a question? They basically tell me to, you know, they quiet me down, give me all the Jehovah's Witness spiel of why it was the truth, why we're God's chosen people, and we're going to survive the only ones to survive the Battle of Armageddon, which was eminent was on its way apart from the psychological abuse as as you would put it um was there any other form of abuse from the church to the to the followers if you ask too many questions did they beat you did they punish you in some way was there any no 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 they had a very powerful control though they had your mind 
I mean, that is abusive. Right. When you take over children's mind, <clears throat> just like the Catholic Church. In fact, they've structured themselves very much like the Catholic Church. They borrowed from the Catholic Catechism, in which at the bottom of the page was the a question that you had to find as a statement in the paragraphs above. So it's a good way to indoctrinate people, and the witnesses use whatever they could from whatever sources they could without ever giving credit to anybody else. So abuse, yeah, well, I don't think there's any, well, maybe physical abuse is worse, but mm. mental abuse is pretty damn bad. I would agree that it's pretty, one is worse than the other, but you can you can overcome physical abuse in some aspects. It, dep it depends on the situation. Well, well, they had, you know, almost psychic control over you. Yeah. So, and so you, you were brainwashed. And you weren't really allowed to think the thoughts that you wanted to think. It was sort of verboten. Would you agree with the term brainwashing when it comes to Jehovah's Witnesses? Well, the word... The phrase wasn't in vogue back then. Right. But, sure, it's brainwashing. It's inculcating a, a young mind that doesn't know anything with the truth. And that way you'll live forever in the new world after the Battle of Armageddon. So you... I want to I ask a little bit more about what it was like to be a witness. You You weren't paid... To do to go to door to door and spread out the watchtower, you had to make the watchtowers, correct? You had to fold them together and. and... No, no, they came out. Would each congregation had a a supply coming in? Okay. They came in regular. Who makes those? We had to pay at that time. I think three cents a piece, and we sold them. We asked for a contribution. We didn't sell them. Yeah. We weren't salesman for 10 cents and it was all volunteer we every saturday we would gather sing a song have encouragement from the older members and then go out and pound on people's doors door to door it was not very friendly people didn't like it we were nuisances but we were kids so they weren't you know, wasn't that bad. What was the comparison of, of people signing up or people slamming doors in your face? Was there oh, it was, you know, most people didn't want anything to do with it. You just went on. We had this little code. We would mark not home or NI, which meant not interested. So we try to make sure we didn't go back and hit them again. And then we had, I think, I uh, interested that we would make a back call and come and revisit them and try to have them a home Bible study in their house. And that's the way they worked and slowly gathered converts that way. Was it were were there any uh, phone calls? Did you ever call? Did you ever cold call people? Nothing. No, we didn't use the phone. The early Jehovah's Witnesses, when it was still under the, the scoundrel name Judge Rutherford, who was not a judge and not a scholar, 
but he was one of these preachers and uh, an orator. An orator? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they manufactured these little crank-up phonographs, phones. You carried them. And after you'd knock on a door and they would open, you'd you'd start this thing with a, it was a, a Victrola. Had a little arm and clay. This was before LPs. So they were made out of clay. And uh, start Judge Rutherford's booming v- voice going out. That's one of them. That's the way they started. When he dies in the new new regime moves in, they modify everything and get rid of those and just basically train their people to be articulate and versed in the Jehovah's Witness dogma. And we were. We read the Bible. We studied pretty good. We knew the Old Testament and the New Testament. I know the Bible still to this day pretty well. And that's the way they spread it. They had they had their own factory. It was the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society Incorporated nonprofit. So they were protected by all the rights that the government gave religions. And so can't investigate them. You can't find out their finances. But the factory that they had in Brooklyn, Brooklyn Heights, they had their own machines, their own printing presses, and all this volunteer labor, like it was an honor to go there and give up your life so that you could sit at a linotype or drive a forklift or whatever it is to get out these millions. Because every month, the watchtower was over a million, which was a big number in those days. And the Awake, they had a companion magazine called Awake. And uh, so they had to make a lot of money. They didn't pay taxes. Probably didn't. They probably owned the building. If not, I'm sure the rent was low. And they had all this free labor. Don't pay taxes. You don't pay labor. You got to make a profit. And they did. It's unofficial. But in later years, they buy up pieces of property in New York State for. $30 million. Where the hell did they get $30 million to buy these estates? And they set up their own college called Gilead, where you went for intensive training. And then they shipped you all over the world. And Jehovah's Witnesses covered the whole, covered them all. Every country. They printed their literature in dozens of languages. My father always complained that the Italian wasn't that good. (laughs) But my father was a complainer anyway. (laughs) Very critical. That sounds familiar. Um, You refer to it as having the honor? or What did you you call it? Yeah, it'd be like... So when did you lose your honor? What? When When did you become no longer honorable? When did you lose your honor? You were about 18, 20 years old. Yeah, I, start, I know some shepherds were involved. I started arguing primarily with my brother, my older brother, who was very, he was, a, he was a natural fanatic at whatever he was in. At that time, he was a Jehovah's Witness, so he was a fanatic about that. 
Later, he becomes a race driver and was a fanatic about that. So, what was the question? <sighs> when did you say, I'm out, I'm done? When when was, I mean, you had already been questioning it. Oh, yeah, that was another incident yeah. when I was up in the San Jose Hills and I pulled up to another more modest estates than a menu in and got out of the car and there were three dogs there overlooking a long slope, gradual slope down. And again, I had no problem with the dogs. It was one German shepherd and two mongrels. And then a rabbit burst out of the grass and started running. So the two littler dogs go off to the left. The shepherd goes off to the right. And I'm standing there watching this whole thing unfold. And they go charging down. And the rabbit sees these two dogs. So it turns around and starts running in the other direction, right into the German shepherd, who kills it. Quick, grabs it, snaps its neck. And when I saw that, it just I just said, there can't be a God. This is bullshit. And once I said the words out loud, these thoughts that were fermenting, in my brain for two years now. Once I, it was a release. Once I heard my own voice say, this is bullshit, I could never go back. It was a very rapid demise and separation from the witnesses. And that gave me a lot of battles because because your brother was in it. Oh, my, you know, my stepmother, my brother, my father, not so much. He just used the religion to control his family. Well, he was not that much of a participator. So that was the beginning. And then I progressively got more vocal about my questions. And, and I had many. Um, began to see all the contradictions in the Bible and how Jehovah was a God of vengeance, even though the witnesses so oh, God is love. Yeah, vengeance. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I am a jealous God. Well, how in the hell can you be a jealous God and be a loving God? How can you be a vengeful God? I mean, vengeance is like the worst of all human traits, almost as bad as greed. So these contradictions and plus this story of Noah and annihilating everything he had created and said, at least this is in Genesis. I am sorry that I have created man. Now, how could a perfect being who sees the future, created the past, make a mistake? So none of that made sense. Plus, he annihilates all these humans that have been breeding since Adam. And what did they do? Just because they weren't saying, praise Jehovah, enough. He wipes them all out. And the gorillas and the orangutans and the elephants and everything else annihilates his own creation. What kind of a god is that? How stupid. Well, the fish were happy. If there was a giant flood, I'm sure the fish were all happy. What? I'm saying, I'm just making a joke. I'm saying the fish were all happy. If there was a giant flood, then all, not all the animals died. It's just a joke. But you're right. I mean, 
and here's the thing. He was raised, as we heard, religious. I wasn't. I got to be raised as an atheist. He gave me the freedom to explore religion. And, and if I ultimately wanted to become religious, I'm sure there would have been some back and forth. But Dad told me, you can believe whatever you want to believe, but this is what I believe. And his, his uh, opinion, his point of view, just happened to make more sense. And I, I read the Bible, and, and and CJ, I know you were raised, you know, in Catholic school. You had to, yeah. you had to know some shit. Yeah, well, I mean, I wasn't just, I mean, yes, I was raised that way, but it wasn't, to, to your point earlier, a few minutes ago about exploring other religions, it wasn't, like, held over my head that way. Do you know what I mean? Like, if I had chosen to go off and join the Witnesses or go Protestant or whatever— I, I was free to do that in my world. Like, my mom wouldn't have, like, disowned me or something of that nature, you know. Uh, you had, I just, you had to be a believer of some sort in order to make everyone happy? Is that sort of how it was? It wasn't that. My, look, my, when my mom loved me, who stayed Catholic and practicing Catholic and the whole bit, of course. But, like, what she really only wanted me to do, and still only wants, because my mom's alive and kicking and taking names and stuff like that, but for me to... To just be a good person. Do you know what I mean? So maybe take... Did maybe... you ever know any girls that became nuns? My my aunt's a nun, actually. But that was... She became a nun long before I was born. But yeah, my aunt is actually a Catholic nun. So. Well, think of the nuns for a minute. These, This is... They marry the church. Yep. Married to a church, they put the ringer on, put a ring on you like you're married. Yep. Only I think they put it on the right hand. Nope, nope. She's and got you, it on the same hand. She she wears the ring. I know what you're talking about, Ron. And she wears it on that on that uh, same finger you would wear it on if you married anyone else. Okay. But they're basically slaves. They give up their total freedom. They give up their womanhood. They got to be virgins forever because they're married to the church, and the church is very jealous. And they just use them as slave labor. They're the ones who make all the candles in the Vatican and, and do all the work and become teachers for free. Yeah. It's a sl form of slavery. It's the Judeo-Christian patriarchal attitude towards women, and the church still is doing it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she, she, my, my aunt is a professor at a college and she teaches computers and I'm sure makes a pretty decent wage and she gets none of it. She gets her weekly stipend and the rest of it goes back to the church or to the convent specifically. Her, her salary goes to the convent. Yeah, well, it's slavery. <laughs> it's exploitation of the whole gender. So, yeah, well, I mean, it can salary? That's just one of my gripes with the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is the, is the final extension of the Roman Empire. It's created by the Roman Empire, by a emperor, Constantine, in 325 AD, when he converts, since they can't beat the Christians down, he decides to join them and incorporate them, which is what he does. In hoc sic vincis, by this sign you shall conquer. That's what he sees 
written in the sky a statement from the Christian God that he will now conquer under the name of Christ. And that's basically the formation of the Catholic Church. The persecution stops, as it had, and the, church, and the, the state gives the church the sword. And Constantine, and by the way, by the way, the word Catholic means universal, like only one. So Constantine wants everybody to believe the same way. This is the Nicene Creed of 325 A.D., and that forms the basis of the dogma of the of the modern modern. You know how far back can you go? 1,500 years or more, 1,800 years of Catholicism. And then they would tolerate no breach, no breach with this. And so they immediately began persecuting other Christians who did not think that the, the bishop in Rome was necessarily the vicar of Christ. Well, this is intolerable. So they began... Again, you either believe our way or they chopped your head off, burned you at the stake. Many, many were burned at the stake. Real nice way that Christ would have done, yeah, burned his enemies at the stake. But they saw no contradiction in that. And that's their history. They're structured just like the Roman state. The word diocese comes from the Roman secular state. It's stratified just like the Romans were, even more so. And they exist today the same way, as corrupt and as cruel and as mercenary as they've always been, and rich. So that's just a short take on the Catholic Church. Oh, um, yeah, I'm very much aware of all that from, from my years in, you know, um, in, indoctrinated, if you will. I mean, you, Ron, you mentioned how how you know the the witnesses are are a cult and i used to ask questions of the the priests when i was because when i was a kid i mean i i i was in i i was an altar boy for five years six years so i mean i i was in but i used as i got to the end of it i started asking questions i started asking you know well you're glad you're glad you're Alter boy in the 20th century, because if it was in the 16th century, they'd have castrated you and well, put yes. you in the choir. I, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that didn't happen. <laughs> Definitely. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, um, no, so I used to ask questions. I and that's and much like yourself, that's where I, I started to become disenchanted because I'd ask questions that were contradictory to the teachings and very rarely got um, what I felt to be an honest answer, you know, so. Religion stinks. I'll say it again. The nemesis of civilization, anti-progressive, anti-scientific, cruel, barbarian people. I mean, think what they did to Joan of Arc. A good Christian girl. They burn her at the stake for heresy. Then they make her a saint a few centuries later. Oh, we made a little mistake here. 
she's now a saint. Yeah, the, the patron saint of an ashtray? I mean, it's so stupid. Anyway. Anyway. What else? <laughs> I don't <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'd like to say that we, we are a comedic show. Um, not tonight. <laughs> I, not tonight. I don't, uh, yeah. why not? Think of all the people we'll offend. Yeah. That's the object, isn't it? Get some attention. Well, I mean, he's not wrong, you're not, man. You, you're not, <laughs> we always, well, you, well, you can't just preach to the choir. I don't feel like being castrated either. <laughs> Not, well, they don't castrate the uh, priests. They just castrate the boys in the choir. If I got castrated, I'd probably sound normal. My voice is so deep. I just sound like a normal person. Um, I, well, Dad, look, how much time do you want to give us? We can talk about whatever. We can talk, you know. I want to hear more. I, I mean, CJ has heard a couple stories, but I want to hear I want to hear about your childhood. I want you to start talking about. I mean, I did. Did I tell the Ted Williams story, CJ? About the peanut butter jello sandwich? No, 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 the Ted Williams one. The real I, Ted Williams. Um, I knocked on I knocked on his door one time. I think, yeah, I, I think, think you saved I, it. I don't. You definitely mentioned the knocking on the door. I don't remember if you got into the details. So either way, let's get him. Well, I mean, I've already printed this up. This is already pretty much in final form. It's not on final form. It's not on the internet. Now it's going to be on final form. No, yeah. Well, I'm going to send it to Sports Illustrated. Well, tell tell it, sell, you know, send it to Potaskew. Let's hear it. I don't want to tell it again. Give me an, give me another one. C CJ, ask your questions. I don't think I have any. <laughs> oh shit! Oh. Uh... I love listening to you two interact. I have to say that. Like, for our listeners, and Rico, I think we briefly mentioned this, that we tried to do this, what, like 18 months ago? We tried to do something similar to this, and it just failed for multiple reasons. And yeah. the thing not I did... Not any fault of anybody. No, no, and I'm not blaming anybody, but it just didn't happen. And the the best part of that whole night of trying to make it happen was listening to you two. <laughs> <laughs> just talk to each other. So I'm fine just being the audience on this episode and just sitting back and letting you do you, Rico. So please. Why why can't we spread the audience out? We can. We, we can. We have so big of an audience. We don't want to piss off the one Catholic we have. No, 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 no. All right, look. If they got an open mind or, if, well, maybe they don't, but. Well, how open can it be? They're Catholic. Hey! Most, what the fuck am I? Catholic, <laughs> a lot of Catholics are big doubters. They just go through the ritual because it's comfortable. Hey, I was making a joke. I'm, you know, I. He's not wrong. Foremost, I like. The, he's not wrong though, Rico. I mean, being honest, like I'm not, I'm not there anymore. But yeah, he's probably not wrong. I mean, there was a long time no, he just I, went through the the, I, the steps and whatnot. I'm not disagreeing. I was just making a crack. I, you know. I, don't turn this around on me. I'm not the I'm not the angry oh. one here today. <laughs> For once, um, you know, <laughs> I've been no, I, I was just I was just backing up his point though. Like that, I wasn't just like turning it around on you. I was just backing up his point that he's not wrong. There's so many people I know, myself included, until I got to be about, I was probably about 16 when I finally was just like hold on a minute and started asking a bunch of questions and when I wasn't getting the answers that 
I I don't know about the answers I wanted because I don't know that I had any specific answers I wanted, but when I didn't feel like I was getting honest or direct answers to my question, that's when I started to give up, you know? So, well, let, let's, uh, let's move on to another light subject. Dad, what are your thoughts on Donald Trump? Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> well. We can never release again, this thing. You know that, right, Rico? That's, <laughs> that's preaching. That's pretty, pretty much preaching to the choir. And I think we're most of us in agreement what a tragic presidency this is and yeah. the setbacks that we've seen. Oh, oh, Sophia. Even Sophia is talking shit about I Donald. hear that. Um, you know, Rico, actually, it's it's kind of a funny... It's I'm kind of glad you went there, only for the fact that since we're going to talk about it, did you see what's happening to Drew Carey right now? Drew Carey? No. Yeah. No. So, he, he himself did nothing. But there's a guy that showed up to the Trump rally in Tulsa wearing a suit that looks like a brick wall. Like it's a bunch of bricks. The tie, the shirt, the jacket, the oh, pants. Oh, you the mean whole the Mexican bit. wall? It's supposed to represent it, and then he was wearing a MAGA hat. But he looks just like Drew Carey. So Drew Carey's name is trending because people there are people that actually thought it was him. Now, it's it's been proven that it wasn't him, and he had absolutely nothing to do with it. But... Drew Carey's trending for all the wrong reasons. Shows Ron Jeremy, but that's a whole different conversation because he's going yeah, to jail. Yeah, I, I commented about that. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, that's well, a whole nother. Well, backtrack, backtracking a little as to whether you want to get a wider audience or not. Is it? I'm not sure where I read it or who told me this, but it was. If you want to learn something new and get in an argument with an intelligent person who disagrees with you. So I was a teacher for much of my adult life. And what I try to do is stimulate the kids to think on their own. So I'd give them questions that they did not know the answer to and let them ponder it, those who wanted to. So it's the same way. You disagree with somebody, but you got to listen to them, and maybe you'll learn something from them. Everybody argues to entrench their own position, but if you want to share knowledge, then you got to be open-minded, and, oh, maybe that's another way of looking at it. You know, so when you and I would argue, is that how you would try and give me knowledge? No, I never, yeah, but I never learned anything from you, and you <laughs> learned everything from me. He didn't care if you learned if he if you learned anything from you. Um, you know what? Honestly, Ron, I do have a question. Actually, that reminds me of something I've been wanting to to ask you about, and that's that Rico has shared very high level the different careers you've had throughout your life. So, I mean, because I know you've you've run a restaurant and you were a teacher. What other like how many different career paths have you have you been on through your life? I mean, because you've lived a pretty well round life. Well, the one I enjoy the most and probably had the most passion for was being a farmer. Okay. I got, and I mean that in a big sense, not just vegetables, but replacing a forest. The parcel of land that I bought in Sonoma County had been 
devastated by a forest fire a few decades ago. Then it was overgrazed, and uh, it was in pretty bad shape. And it was just my mission to build a forest. So over the decades, I planted about 40,000 trees. And that was, I started a long time ago, 40 years ago, 50. And so now that has happened. I got a forest, a place yeah. where the animals could come back to create, recreate the habitat. Because my other passion is animals and wildlife. And so I wanted to see coyotes come back and gophers come back and wild pig come back and deer come back and mountain lions come back. And they all have. It took five decades, but that's what's happening now. Of course, now it's beginning to resubsidize, and everybody's putting up fences and cutting all the deer trails off, and hunters want to hunt the pigs. That shit still goes on. Sure. But, but that's what I wanted to do, was build a forest. So while I was building a forest, I built a garden as well. My olive trees are now in big product big abundance you know i grow lots of vegetables a lot of tomatoes i had to, i had a restaurant so i grew my garden to feed my restaurant which is what i did way ahead of alice walters <laughs> <laughs> how how much land do you have up there rico's talked about the land but exactly like what's the the size it, it's short of 40 acres it's an imperfect 40 acres 36 okay. 37 okay but they were supposed to be quarter-mile parcels. Gotcha. Rico, it makes sense for your family to own 37 acres, really, if you think about it. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, we need to get away from each other, so it gives us some space. There you go. There you go. Um, what was the name of the restaurant? I don't think Rico's ever shared that. Well, there was, there was a couple. Okay. Well, my own, my own the ones that I wasn't involved in partnership with my father— was called Tibacho Ristorante, and it means I kiss you in Italian. Okay. We we had logos of it. The logo was of a – it looked like a like an old Roman sculpture but drawn, and it was a man and a woman kissing. And that was – like I remember that logo as soon as I could remember anything. It was on our T-shirts. It was on magnets on the fridge. It was – we had a dad had a, a big van. It was like a maroon colored van or something, and it was on the side. It was like the Tabacho van. It was yeah, it was a stick on sign. Yeah, and he had it on. He had it as a watch. He had the Tabacho logo. Your mother. My mother. Uh, did, my mother. God, marketing was like she was. She was so good at that. Uh, and and I, we don't have anything of it anymore. We have like one faded T-shirt that's full of holes. I have a faded T-shirt and the glass, one of the last glasses. I got it stuck up in the corner. So it's not to be So nobody is going to try to use it. It's the last one. I don't know. I ordered a gross of them and used them as a promotion. But anyway. Rico, we need, we need a pot of skew watch. I want a pot of skew watch, man. I'm I'm a watch. I'm I'm no seriously, Rico. That's one thing I don't think you know about me and all the stuff we've ever talked about. I am like Tony Stark when it comes to watches, dude. I or, or Doctor Strange, if you remember, like Stephen Strange, they had just had yeah. that array of watches. I I love watches. So if I had a pot of skew watch, man, I would be in heaven. 
Well, I don't know if any exist. No, I mean, a pot askew of our show. Oh, not too I much. Mean, I'd Rico, love a Tibacho watch. I, I don't wear watches, but I would if I had one that I liked. I mean, I've got the Apple Watch. So you can see, like, it's going. I can do that, but I would love to have an actual like watch. You know, like a watch face of pot askew. That would be amazing. So anyways. does it have to? What, what is he talking about? Our show. No, oh, he, oh. Wants our, he wants our logo of our show. Because we watch, have a logo. Yeah. We're, we're, we're yeah, like you. you we're branded. Are. So, Well, I could think of other logos. Ooh. Oh, well, that's the end of that conversation. And I think you ought to have some introductory music. We do. We do. Sam, does he know Sam? Well, whatever. You're not, you're not allowed to critique our show if you, you want to listen to the goddamn show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, we've got, we, how many episodes do we have right now? 103. 103 episodes. Wow. Start. Start listening. You got nothing else to do. <laughs> uh, you'll listen to this one. I'm sure you'll listen to, you know, your episode, but you won't listen to us talk about Star Wars, I'm guessing. And dragons. Speaking of and dragons, he, <laughs> uh, Dad told me that uh, a friend of his actually started listening to uh, Potescue. Oh, yeah? Very nice. Yeah. Uh, well, I had two ideas for introductory music uh rico didn't like either one um <laughs> i have to hear these now uh, i do like yeah well one would be to have a bunch of wolves howling and i can get my dog to howl like a wolf and i can get three shepherds together to howl like wolves and you that would you know just 10 or 15 seconds of of wolves howling as an intro to your thing, to your pod. The other one I would suggest is the theme to the Lone Ranger, the Barber of Seville. Just ah. a few bars of it, just to get... The Barber people. of Seville? No, the William Tell Overture. The William Tell, right, correct. That I don't, I don't know if that's uh, public domain. There might be some licensing issues with that one, so, but... Um, well, not it's used so much. Yeah. I mean, it's used. I don't know who's got the copyright on it, but I don't know, but I going to pay them. But there's a, you can only you there's a limitation. You can only use so many bars of a piece of copyrighted music yeah. and get away with it. Beyond that, you got to get permission. Yes, like exactly. If you were to yeah. Play, if you were to play a whole Sinatra song, you'd have to get permission. But if you only had Sinatra coming on for 15 seconds, you could get away with that. And, and the Sinatra estate is notorious for being really expensive on their songs, like hundreds of thousands of dollars for one song. Yeah, but if somebody just is on there for 10 or 15 seconds, that'll attract attention well, to the music and they'll sell more. Well, that's why I sing Sinatra. If I, if I, if I was going to put any Sinatra on here, I sing it that way we won't have to pay anybody. No, you still have to pay yeah. if you sing it. I, I, I'd like to pay myself. But anyway, no, but I could make them. you a recording. I could make you a recording of dogs howling. Uh, I'll tell you what, because we do have an intro music. But here's the thing. You're saying intro music, but you're saying dogs howling or wolves howling. That's That may be music to your ears, but that's not the classical <laughs> term of music. You know, you know well, what it would work for, Rico? The damn it. The damn it! The damn it! Uh, what's the what? The, uh, God, I gotta explain to my dad what the damn yes, it is. Yes, you do. <laughs> the, da the damn it is a is a bit 
that we do at the very end of the episodes. The first time CJ and I recorded together, there was a fuck up and he said, oh, we were recording this whole time when we weren't intending to. And I said, damn it, in a very distinct way. So at the end of every episode, based on what we talk about, if we're talking about Tom Hanks, for example, CJ will take a clip of a Tom Hanks movie where Tom Hanks says something kind of aggressive or kind of funny, and then that leads my to my recording of me saying, damn it. So Tom Hanks will say, you know, I don't want to deal with this crap. And then I, and then you hear me say, damn it. Or if it's talking about okay, stuff. All right, all so right, we might be able to put the wolves howling at the very end of me saying, damn it. So if you're looking for the wolves howling, you have to listen to the whole episode. I could get, I bet I could get Sophia to, to howl right now. CJ, do you want to hear this? No, he doesn't want to. Well, we could find wolves howling on the internet and just put that in. No, I want my dogs. So you don't want wolves. You want shepherds howling. I'm not going to get any wolves. Well, how about you howl? We'll have you howl. I'll howl along with her. That's right. the way she does it. We'll have we'll have the shepherd uh, and, the, and, the, and the werewolf howling. All right. Let's, let's get some howling going. Go. Howl. Howl. Bark at the moon. Like Ozzy. Whoa, 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 whoa. Where are you going? Well, she's right there. Sophia. Don't go too far. Sophia. Sing, Sophia, sing. Oh! 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 Wait, what, CJ? You want me to say what? You want me to keep talking after we were talking for how many goddamn hours? Let's leave these poor people alone, okay? Fine. CJ wants me to do a proper closing, but I'm not going to say the same shit that he's always said for every goddamn other episode. If you don't like it, you can blame his ass. Listen to us on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you find your podcast. Or you could simply Google us. Though, if you're listening to this message, you probably did do that. Please don't forget to rate and comment. Seriously, we're not just saying that because we want to. We need your acceptance. If you want to agree with or yell at us, especially CJ, follow him and me and the show on Twitter. The show is at Potaskew. I am at Rance Rico. And CJ is at M underscore Blade. Don't ask me why. I still don't know. Some secrets are best left alone. We want to thank Logo Mike for our logo. That's why we call him Logo Mike. If you want or need some good art, hit him up at logomike80 at gmail.com. That's logomike80 at gmail.com. It's worth it. You can help a starving artist today. We got to give a big sloppy thank you to Samuel Evans for all the original music on the show, especially our theme music. You can find Sam on Twitter at Samuel Lemons and his music on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Samuel Lemons. When life gives you Sam Lemons, you better pucker up. And finally, we have to thank all of you. Well, we don't have to. We want to. It really does mean a lot to CJ and I that you guys have prioritized your time listening to us. We really, really appreciate it. Now, since I still have your attention, I think you have all been missing one of the best parts of every episode. The damn it. So therefore, you all have to listen to the damn it. Think of it as a MCU bonus credit scene. There, that fucking better? Yeah, here you go. I got nothing, man. Damn it.
Rescue! 